This week on Absent Minded, we look at Jesperi Kotkaniemi and the rest of the Habs prospects in Europe. Hillary Knight is back with Les Canadiens. And how do we choose the top 25 under 25? Presented by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book. Uh, episode six already, and you know it, it feels like episode four, and that's probably because I've only been around for four episodes. So, um, but it is episode six. I'm joined by uh, two uh, of my esteemed colleagues. We have Patrick Bexel in Sweden. Patrick, how are you? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, it's it's a lovely night. It's been a terrible day, but but a lovely night right now. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the bed when I'm done with this. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's morning where Patrick is right now, but not the morning where you want to be recording a podcast. And uh, over in, in New York State, we have Scott. Scott, how are you? Scott Matlas. I am doing Scott Matla, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got the name right, so we're, on, we're in a positive step here. I'm good. I'm back from vacation from last week, and I know everyone loves the weather updates, so uh, it's not as hot. It's still hot, though, because... My job requires me to move a lot, but overall having a pretty good day. Excited to be back on the podcast again. In Montreal, it's actually been a great day. Not too humid. Um, you know, perfect day in Montreal uh, as our resident, uh, not only resident Montrealer, but resident Canadian on this podcast, um, which is <laughs> uh, a weird thing to say for uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. But anyway, let's get to the hockey uh, because we could all use a little bit of cooling down, I think. Um, this week... Yes, Barry Kutkaniemi, the uh, first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, third overall, played a game that uh, his team in Finland put on YouTube, which is genius marketing on their part. They, <laughs> the Canadians shared it. Uh, lots of fans were itching for, for hockey, especially since he didn't play in the, uh, the under-20 games in, in BC. Uh, so, uh, Patrick, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, he, ha- he did have two assists in the game. He played center. Uh, what were your your impressions of of his game? Uh, first and foremost, I need to tell you that they have a YouTube channel and they actually put up quite a lot of content there. So uh, I went back and looked, and I think even the preseason game from last year was there. So you could, if you wanted to, uh, I think you can go back and actually check uh, how he played in the preseason last year and compare it to this year to get a little bit of a better understanding of Jesperi's uh, development uh, over this year. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he played well. Uh, what is important to, to think is, is it was preseason. Uh, I went to another preseason game uh, this week and I saw two of the top team in Sweden play and it was it was on a different level, uh, negative side for, for, for Finland, uh, if you want to say that, because the tempo was a little bit higher in Sweden and, and it, the precision was a bit better. But... but uh, uh, assets uh, they uh, played against Sport uh, Vasa Sport and uh, uh, Sport finished last in in Liga last year and I think that was for me I expected Jesperi to to maybe dominate a little bit more uh, he had flashes of brilliance uh, and and he worked and he played most more than anyone else on the team uh, they were up against a a hot goalkeeper and lost the game three two. Um, 
just pre finish with five shots, twenty minute of time of, of, of ice time, and and uh, you know two assists plus one uh, because one of the assists came on the power play, uh, which he was running from different positions uh, through the game. Yeah, at first he played in the same position up towards the blue line, uh, as he did with the Finnish national team or junior national team. Uh, whereas in in later through the game he was uh, parked, uh, uh, how should I say, the extended goal line and and uh, in a Gretzky position somewhere around there, and and he did a tic tac toe play and and uh, was rewarded with the primary assist that was uh, really really good. Um, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a good outing, but but I expected more, I think, from him in order for him to be ready for NHL. I think the biggest thing we can take away from that too is that he was in different positions on the power play, and he had a lot of ice time, and he had two you know assists out there. It's that te- everyone expects the world of him, and he was a high draft pick, so obviously expectations and hype are absolutely through the roof. I'm not saying people shouldn't be excited about him because there's a lot to like in his game understand that right out of the gate we can't expect him to go out there and be like four point game hat trick you know dangles through everyone on the defense tempering the expectations of what he's capable of because he hasn't played a meaningful hockey game in what three or four months give or take and then outside of canadians uh development camp what did he do after the league season ended and the draft and everything so there's a lot of positives to take away but we also need to kind of keep things in the right viewpoint here. He's capable of doing a lot of good things, but he's still a developing player. He's only 18 years old. There's a lot still to come as he matures and grows in, and especially playing center again in his men's league because he played on the wing last year in Liga and then in his age group played center. So this year with him taking over that middle position full-time, there's going to be some bumps in the road and growing pains, and that's got to be expected as he uh, plays this year. You know, he's a, he's a, he was a young player in the draft, um, you know, just turned 18. I think it was after uh, after he signed his entry-level contract in early July, um, he, he turned 18. So uh, very young, and, and obviously he's, he's playing center, which is a positive sign for his development. No matter where it happens, that's, that's a positive sign. I think you have to remember also that uh, you know Montreal has a few different options here uh, going forward, and uh, you know you could play him in a. And, and I remember this article by Jack Han uh, maybe two years ago when when he was still writing for Eyes on the Prize, and uh, you put a a, ta- a talented player in a position to succeed, and I don't think you know if you put him in in NHL this year. I don't see that as as giving him the chance to succeed. Uh, we know how stacked uh, the the uh, Rockets are this year, uh, especially on the center position. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Montreal decides to you know make a deal with with uh, Asset and say uh, you know uh, play him in in the top line, which he was now play him. On all the power plays, uh, when he gets confident, play him in the box play, uh, give him heavy minutes, and let him develop there. And I think that is the way that that Montreal is going to go. And and it gives something back to Asset, and it, it gives uh, Jespri some some really good chance to to develop and to to perform and succeed. 
Yeah, I think Pat had a really good point there. Is a lot of people think, well, if he goes to North America, he doesn't have to play in the NHL this year because a lot of people are thinking the Habs are going to be a fringe team at best right now with the way their lineup is constructed. It's like, oh, well, then he can go to Laval where they're being stacked for Calder Cup playoffs and everything else. But I look at the depth, especially down the middle on that team. You know, it's you could have Chaput, you could have Jake Evans, you can have guys like Bitten and Verbeek, and even McCarron, if he resigns, that can all play down the middle there. There's a lot of fighting and jostling for spaces, and a lot of these guys are prospects. Sure, you can play them in one through four there, but you want to make sure you are managing your assets properly. And it's not that the AHL is a bad league. It's just if he's playing in Finland, the competition and learning he's going to get there playing down the middle, which is what we're hoping he gets this year, is probably going to be a lot better long term for his development than playing in North America this year and either fighting for spot with other prospects, which can hurt their development or being, you know, kind of shoehorned into an NHL spot on a team that might not be very good this year. Yeah, I also think that... uh... You have to remember, it's a big step to move away from, from Finland at, at 18. I, I keep saying this in different podcasts or write it in different articles, but, but to move country as an 18-year-old, I moved, uh, I moved to England when I was 36. And, and uh, let me tell you guys, it wasn't as easy as it sounds. And that's just like you know a two-hour flight. But bank systems are different. Uh, there are different cultures. There are different uh, living arrangements, uh, living standards. Uh, and then, you know, as an 18 year old, suddenly you have to, you know, even if you get housed with uh, an older player, you have to learn how to, you know, cook, how to take care of yourself and act professionally. And, and maybe it's better to do that in Finland where you have your mom uh, taking care of you and your dad on the team. I, I think another part of it and, and to touch a little bit of what, um, what Scott said and even Patrick was said. If you look at the prospects that you can point to and be like, that's not the path we want to take in terms of prospect development, uh, you look at Edmonton and the way they, they handled Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, who was the, the fourth overall pick uh, when he was drafted, is they did bring him to North America. They gave him an NHL shot. They put him into the minors um, in their AHL team and kind of shuttled him back and forth over you know, two years, and you look at him compared to the other players that he was compared with at the time of the draft, Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and he's well behind them. And yes, obviously, part of it could be that he wasn't necessarily as good as, especially the first two on that list, but, you know, he was expected to go third overall in that draft, uh, but he's behind Pierre-Luc Dubois by a large margin in terms of his uh, his, his stat to date as well. So, you know, there, there is a danger to, to bringing him to North America, and that's a perfect example of, of a prospect that did it and isn't probably as good as he could have been. Indeed, but but it's also the fact that, and, and let's be honest here, uh, uh, Puglio had a, a he had a language problem to go with it, you know, and, and I think that hampered him quite a bit in many ways. Yeah, and, and that goes into what you were saying about, you know, just moving countries and everything like that. The, the advantage that Montreal has that Edmonton did not is that even if uh, Kurt Kanyemi comes to uh, Laval in the AHL, you know he's going to be surrounded by Montreal Canadiens people. Uh, they're going to get his life on track. They're going to find him a place to live. They're, you know, 
that's the advantage of having your AHL team so close is that the the infrastructure he would have at the NHL level, he can still have in the AHL level, obviously not the plane rides and fancy hotel rooms and things like that on the road. Uh, but in terms of the, you know, the home life, it, it is an advantage. I personally, I think that we all agree is that the best place for him to go is, is in Europe. You know, Scott mentioned the, the log jam that Laval is going to have this year in terms of the roster. And, you know, you kind of have a free spot for him in Liga because Asat is going to play him. He's going to be, uh, you know, a top player for them. Uh, maybe not their top line center, but he's going to be an important piece of that team. Uh, and you kind of have a free pass of, um, uh, of development by keeping him there. And, uh, you know, uh, an analogy that we have is what they call it the slow cooker uh, development. This is kind of, you know, you lock it in and, you know, in a couple of years you check on it again and, and that's it. And obviously he's going to be coming to, to training camp, rookie uh, tournament and things like that. But uh, I think that, you know, the, the end result is likely going to be that he's going to go back to Finland uh, at least for, for this season. Yeah. And I think also you have to, you have to look at it from, sorry, uh, from the position of, of uh, there were rumors in Europe last year that Canadians pushed for, for Jonny Ikonen to get a high position in another team than Frölunda. And uh, in that regard, uh, you know, like, so he went to, to Kalpa and uh, they promised him first line minutes, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, you know, you could make a similar deal with, with Asset this year. Uh, so so th- there is this, uh, you know, strength in numbers or, or strength in the Canadian organization in this case that you can benefit from. And I, as I think, you know, like um, if he's uh, in Liga, uh, he's a shoe in for the World Juniors. And, and I think we all would like to see him in the World Juniors along with some of the other talent that... Um, Montreal has acquired over the last two years. Yeah, and, and let's face it, if Montreal was set on him playing in the NHL or AHL this year, they would not let him play these preseason games in, in Finland. So they, they have an eye on him going back at some point. If if they were set that he would be a major part of their team in North America, whether the NHL or AHL level, they would say, listen, rest up. You'll play your games. You'll play your preseason games. Don't No need to, to get used to uh, playing center with these uh, these players in Finland will will cover you. So the fact that the Canadians gave him permission to play those games is a pretty good indication as well. Um, and with the preseason in Finland and Europe starting, there are other prospects there. And, and Patrick, uh, you know, it's a good year for you. There's going to be a lot more prospects in the European prospect report this year. But, you know, you look at other players uh, in Europe, um, you know, what do you see in terms of, of their um, obviously, we know that that Jacob Olofsson is going to be playing a major part on his uh, team in Sweden. He was a major part of their uh, promotion um, to the SHL this year. Jesse uh, Ulenen is obviously a player who was hurt, who didn't make the trip to the under-20 games in, in, in Canada. We don't really have an update there yet, but in terms of his uh, playing, he's going to be playing in, in the league this year as well. Uh, so what are you looking for in terms of uh, you know the preseason and, and those two players? Um, starting with uh, Jesse Ullinen, uh, we have to remember, and, and it goes a little bit into Kotkaniemi as well, it's like Esset finished eighth in uh, in Liga last year. Um, 
top six qualifies directly for the playoffs and then it's a play in between or a wild card game depending on how you see it uh, between the seven and tenth uh, for those positions um, and pelicans finished tenth and, and actually had to go to the playoffs as well and and you know looking at the lineups uh you know you have the the usual suspects in the top you know carpet the the tps's tapara um yip has, has lost a few players but uh, hoifko is going to be there as well and you know they are fighting um i'd say as it with kotkanieme would be fighting for for the last uh spot on the on the direct playoff uh for, for one of the direct playoff uh, places whereas pelicans might be uh instead of being the lowest seed in the wild cards they might go up a little bit and, and become seeded uh either one or two and and that's where we have to be realistic about these teams i mean it's um we don't have a cap in europe so so some of the teams will be able to spend a little bit more money than others and and you have to remember that when you think about the season uh it's unfortunate i've, I've tried to dig but my finish isn't up to scratch uh, really uh unfortunately it's a very difficult language and and google translate only gives us so much uh so i haven't really figured out what is the problem with yes and and i hope he comes back and and uh, is rested uh, for for when the season starts, which is actually not going to be too far off. Uh, I think it's uh, early September when they start. I know that uh, if I remember correctly, it's the eighth of September where where KHL has their locomotive day, where where no games will be played, and and KHL starts early, so I know they start before that uh, that date. And Liga starts somewhere between the SHL that starts around the 15th, 20th of September. So, so it's, it's, we're getting close to the season start and, and preseason game starts, uh, has, has already started, as we know. And Jesper Olofsson goes on with Timro on Tuesday night, uh, or Tuesday morning, your time. Uh, it will be very interesting to see. We know that Jonathan Dalen has left for Vancouver. So there is an open spot. Uh, uh, Coach Anderson of Timro told us in, at Habs Eyes on the Prize earlier this summer that, you know, he expects more from Olofsson and, and uh, it will be a very interesting guy to follow. They will, uh, they have an interesting uh, preseason schedule as well. They're playing uh, quite a few of the teams they played last year in, in, uh, in Alsenskin. Um, uh, but they're also going to England to, to play Sheffield. Uh, for two games, which I think is is beneficial both for them and for hockey in general, to to you know show a SHL team in in uh, in England might not be the most uh, the, the the team with most names on it, but it will still be an SHL team, and it will give Sheffield a chance to to see where they stand against uh, maybe the top league in Europe outside KHL. Uh, but yeah, there there are a few games coming up, and they're coming in rapidly, and I I expect all of them that has had a Great uh, long summer, um, playing games with with the national team and and playing being at the camp uh, to maybe rest one or two of them, and I think we we shouldn't be worried if he does. And you know, you mentioned that uh, the teams in Liga are are not the strongest, and you know what, that might be a perfect position for them to be in because you're you're not on a team that's going to rely on older players to get that championship, to get those wins that are so important when you're going for a, a championship, it, it maybe gets him a, a chance to to play into a role uh, and, and gain the coach's trust and, and things like that. Um, you know, Olofsson is, is a pretty good example is where the team was 
you know, in, in the second division. And, uh, like, like, um, coach uh, Anderson mentioned on, on your, on your interview, uh, that he kind of played into a bigger role last year. And now he, they're in the next level and he has, the coach has an experience with him, has that trust with him, uh, which could help his, his development, uh, going forward as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from, from Europe and, and kind of go a little bit, uh, farther east and everyone's favorite prospect, including Scott's Alexander Romanov. <laughs> Uh, played uh, a preseason game uh, with his um, CSKA team uh, in in Russia um, over the weekend. You know, w- with him in particular, I think any exposure he gets at the KHL level is a huge win uh, for him, and, and goes to show what he uh, he can do at, at you know at the NHL level going forward as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. We'll go to Scott here. You know, Scott, what are you looking for uh, in terms of these prospects? Uh, you know, as as the season goes forward, his international man of mystery thing still makes him one of my favorite prospects to follow this year so far. But for him, what we're looking for, he doesn't have to go into a game and be flawless superstar. He just needs to prove that as a young player, he can hang with the level of competition and learn while he's in the game there. And I think that's what I read is correct is that he can skate and he can move. Can he do that while playing at a senior level versus, you know, one of the lower junior tiers? I think that's the best possible case for him because he wasn't going to be a second round pick. Boom, done. He's ready for the NHL. He's going to be a little bit more of a project where we might not see him for a couple of years, but he keeps progressing each year until he is ready to make that full-time leap to the NHL or North American hockey. Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, unfortunately, I found out that the stream was was there uh, too late, so I didn't catch the game. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, Scott. Any exposure he gets at the KHL level this year, if that's two games or if that's 22 games or if that's 42 games, I don't care. You know, like if he gets exposure and and... Um, I've spoken with a few Canadian and American players that has played in, in KHL and, 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 you know, like if he can keep up with the skating there, then we're good. You know, that, that's, that's what you have to figure out because there are some Russian skaters that we have no idea on how to pronounce their names or, or what they've done before, but they can skate. And, and so if, if he's on the ice, we know he can skate, then the rest of this of it will will come naturally after that yeah and i think that the the big thing is uh you know i think we all agree that the khl is is a better level than the ahl uh comparing it you know in terms of level play and and the players there or at at the very least similar but i think we agree that it's it's above the ahl and so if you know you have an 18 year old in the ahl and he performs you know, even in a few games at that level, gets exposure at that level, we see that as oh, that that's a that's a win to have, to have a prospect that that's that's able to keep up at that level. So if he could do that in the KHL level, um, it, it kind of goes a long way here. And you have to remember these kids are still eighteen years old; uh, they're still young players. So any exposure they get at a senior level is is a bonus at this point because you know we we kind of look at this as a as a binary NHL or AHL or junior scenario, um, you know, in, in North America. So when we have these exposures that, 
you know, they're playing with men. It's it's a positive sign, and we saw it early on with with Arturi Lekkinen. Uh, you know, he he played in his draft year at a senior level in, in Liga, and uh, as he went to Sweden, uh, kept performing, kept performing well, kept performing well, and eventually just stopped right in in the NHL level. So um, there is a blueprint here, and, and Lucas Vedemo is, is another example that we'll see in, in training camp this year. So you know, th- there is um, there is a lot of uh, excitement around these prospects. When you add that many prospects in the draft, there's going to be excitement. So there's intrigue, there's excitement. And, you know, the, the thing that adds to all of that is that they're good players as well. Uh, and there's a lot of excitement, especially uh, around the, the Finns and, uh, and Olsen and, uh, and Romanov uh, as a second round pick. We're just looking forward to seeing him play um, with our own eyes, hopefully maybe at a live game at the World Juniors. We'll we'll see. We will, um, or maybe he he won't make that team, and he'll still remain a, a man of mystery. But on to international uh, men of mystery, and uh, on to well, we'll go into women's hockey a little bit here, which is probably where the biggest news came uh, from this week is that Hillary Knight, uh, who signed with Montreal late last year, is uh, you know pretty much confirmed on social media that she will be coming back, which isn't. A huge surprise, um, but you know she signed a two-year contract last year. All CWHL contracts are for two years, except those in China. So she was contracted to Montreal, but women's hockey players have all the control, um, so they they can choose where they want to play. So if she wanted to go somewhere else, she could have been like, "Listen, trade me or release me. I don't want to play." But you know there were inklings uh, that she would be coming back to Montreal. She was at the Rogers Cup uh, tennis tournament this week. Um, on social media, but what I love most about all of this, um, about Hillary Knight in particular, and we'll get into the team uh, a little bit later on as well. But um, what I love about this is that she just puts one post on Instagram, one post on Twitter, and that was it. No press release. That that's how powerful Hillary Knight is. But um, it's 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 a lot of fun to see, and obviously she's a big name. She's a great player, and it's it's great to know that she's going to be playing on Montreal this coming season. I was going to say, she's Hillary goddamn night. She can do whatever the hell she wants. She's that, like you said, she's that big of a person that it's like, oh, we've got unfinished business. And like immediately it's like, oh, she's back. And like everyone and all the women's hockey people that I follow on Twitter, that was what my newsfeed was. And as someone who, you know, doesn't follow as closely as I should, I am excited about one very big thing with Les Canadians this year. And that's, you're going to have Hillary Knight and Marie-Philippe Poulin on the same team. And that, to me, is so exciting. That's reason enough alone to go to as many games as possible. They're two of the best women's hockey players in the world on the same team this year. Like, it doesn't... On the same power play. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Like, quite honestly, that's reason enough to tune into the games when or go to the games and support the team. And that is an extremely exciting thing for me this year. Yeah, I think so too. And and uh, we, we mentioned it or like last pod that you know we, we we spoke a bit about women's hockey and how important it is. And I think Hillary Knight really pushes that angle as well. That she wants to interact with the young kids. She wants to do this. She wants to 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 show up. And and she knows she can get that maybe attention in in Montreal and. Well, at least it's going to be this year. It's going to be a fight about who has the best team in Montreal. It's going to be Rocket or or, or Canadiens. 
if if you're not looking forward to hockey, if you're like Montreal is going to be, you know, a, a team that's that's not necessarily going for a, a Stanley Cup this year, the Rocket. They are improved. They have a new coach. There's a lot of excitement around the organization. But I don't think you can say they're at the same level as the Marlies um, in, in Toronto uh, or, or, you know, this even Syracuse, who's, who's always a contender. Utica had a great second half of the year uh, in, in their division. Uh, you know, there, there's question marks there. there. There's teams to compete with. But Montreal, the Lee Canadien are going to be so good. And you, you mentioned Knight and Poulin on the same team. They also have the just the MVP of the Olympic tournament on their team as well. We didn't even mention her. Melody Daou uh, is going to make her uh, her day. She was a first-round pick last year of the team. She won the MVP of the Olympics on Marie-Philippe Play's line. And, oh, yeah, she's also on the team this year. They have Jill Saunier, who is, who is on the team. That If you're not excited about hockey in Montreal this year, and there's obviously reasons – um, that people might not be. Uh, the Canadians had a rough year. The Rocket had a rough year. Heck, even the Canadian had a rough year. Uh, their first year in, in three years, they didn't even make the final. Um, which, it's funny that we're laughing. That That's a bad year. Um, but, you know, that, that happens. But um, there, there's a lot to be excited about, about the Canadian. And, you know, if you know me, if you've read Eyes and Prize, you know that I'm, I, I push women's hockey and, and things like that. But just... There's so much talent on this team, uh, and it's it's a non-Olympic year. There's so much talent in the league. Never mind the team. The league has so much talent. Uh, Brianna Decker is back in the CWHL from the NWHL. She's signing Calgary. Casey Bellamy. I, I force myself not to get excited about the prospect of, of Knight and Pula playing on the same team uh, because I, I didn't want to you know be disappointed if she ended up going elsewhere or you know, things happen. But now that it's it's happening, it's it's going to be so much fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. I want the season to start now. The draft is only in two weeks, but I want to start now. I want the season to start now. I, I'm so excited for for this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And and uh, I'm going to be a, a little bit like Scott. I I don't follow women's hockey as much as maybe as I should, especially not here in Sweden, where where actually I have another team. I have Gothenburg, just like 35 minute drive from here, and uh, and. Uh, Okay, they're the bottom feeders of the Swedish uh, Women's Hockey League, but but yeah, they're 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 there, and and I should be following them better. Uh, but there seems to have been a lot of uh, movement in in women's hockey this summer. Um, can you explain to me why, really, and 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 how come? Yeah, it's it's really you know women's hockey for the top players in the sport. Um, it's really about the Olympics. That that's their goal. Uh, and I'm talking about the top, like, you know, you know, 20, 30 players in Canada, top 20, 30 players in the U.S. So you're talking about the, you know, 60 of the top figure 100 players in the world. For them, the Olympics is the goal. That That's all they care about. They don't really – the world championships are nice, and every time you wear the national team jersey, obviously, is a huge goal for them. Um, but, you know, we're in a, a position now – where the Olympics just happened, there's obviously four years until the next one. So uh, for a lot of players, they they set kind of short and long term goals. So for some of them, they they think in in four year cycles, like like many amateur athletes do, where they try and peak for the Olympics and uh, and, and things like that. So um, what what they try and do is they now is an opportunity to press the reset button. You know, uh, Calgary is the home of the um, of the Canadian national team, so a lot of players went there in preparation for 2018. So now that the next Olympics is only in 2022, 
they have time to press a reset button. They can kind of, you know, say, okay, where do I want to be for next year, for the next two years? And then they can start thinking about, you know, year three and year four of that, uh, of that, that Olympic cycle. And for, for some players, even, you know, that they're not, they know they're not going to be playing four more years. So at this point, they just want to enjoy their, the rest of their career. So it's, uh, you know, this is the year where there's going to be a lot of movement. Obviously, last year, a lot of them didn't play in, in their pro leagues. You know, Hillary Knight was the exception. Uh, we mentioned all those other Olympians. All those other Olympians I mentioned didn't play once they got back. So it, they kind of pressed the reset button. Their contracts, you know, they're, they're all free agents uh, because they didn't sign anywhere last year. So they're able to to kind of pick where they want to play. And that's what you're seeing the movement and. It's it, we knew it was going to be an exciting off season in women's hockey, and it's it's lived up to its billing, and it's not even over yet. There's still a, a lot of free agents out there. The CWHO draft, like I mentioned, is in two weeks. We don't know where all the big names are going to be going yet. There's still probably the biggest name that's not uh, on a team yet is Sarah Nurse, uh, who, a Canadian Olympian as well, who is um, still uh, not signed anywhere. The CWHL allowed players to sign before the draft. Uh, teams are allowed to sign their first and second round picks this year. So she's still the biggest name that's still out there. So it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun going going into the season. But yeah, I mean, Hillary Knight on her own brings eyes to the sport. And it's, and, you know, uh, Patrick mentioned before about how, you know, she wants to be there for, for young girls. I'll, I'll tell a little story before we, we move on. After she was traded to Montreal, it was very fast. There was a press conference. They played that weekend. And obviously, she had spoken to the press at her at her signing press conference. After the first game of the um, the, the, the first game she played, there was a press conference there again. Then you fast forward to the playoff game. Uh, and after game one, it was a Friday night. And the, the game went to overtime. Montreal lost in overtime that night. Hillary Knight came out because obviously everyone wants to speak to her. It was her second game in the CWHL with Montreal. She gives to the media, speaks to the media, and you can tell, you know, you guys have all been in, in press scrums. You can tell when an athlete doesn't want to speak to the media. You know, she just lost in overtime. She's spoken to the media three or four times in the span of, you know, two weeks that she's been in Montreal, uh, two games. She spoke to the media four times. You know, you can tell that there's a lot of, you know, okay, yeah, what else do you want me to say? We lost. Um, you know, I, I signed here, you know, what else? So at the end of the, the media scrum, there were two or three girls in the stands with a Hillary Knight poster just waiting for her. And you can tell that, you know, these girls just wanted to meet her for the first time. They, she played for Montreal. They watched the game. They just wanted to see her. And uh, at one point, you know, while we were waiting for, for Hillary to come out, uh, one of the, the Canadian staff went over to them and said, yeah, don't worry, she's going to come out. And they were like screaming and so excited they would be able to see her. And after she spent, you know, the four or five minutes with us in the media, she went over there and spent, I want to say about 15, 20 minutes. They, she took selfies, she signed autographs, and there's only two or three girls. And they were, the whole time, if you were watching them and, and we were doing other interviews at the time, but I was always looking over and just the smiles on their faces to have that that time with Hillary Knight. And, you know, when the CWHL usually has autograph sessions after every game, but when they play night games, they don't, and they had a game the next afternoon, they don't necessarily do autographs. So this was just two kids standing, waiting to speak to, to see Hillary Knight. And uh, I think right after she posted a selfie on her Instagram, 
uh, and tagged the two kids as well. And it's just like, that's what the CWHL does that no, that you don't get in the NHL, you don't get in the AHL, but these are the top of their sport and they know their role. They know what impact they can have on girls' lives. And that's that's one story that I'll, I'll probably ever always remember uh, when it comes to Hillary Knight. Great story. Yeah, I was going to say that's exactly what you said. That's exactly what it's all about. Like I've seen players go out of their way, but never in a manner like that. Like that's going above and beyond like for the fans, which is what part of what makes the league so great. Yeah, and Hillary Knight doesn't have to do that, right? Like she's she's above I don't want to say she's above everyone else in the league, but she's she's a, a genuine superstar in women's hockey in sports. I mentioned Hillary Knight and people know who she is. Even if they don't watch women's hockey, uh, you know, if you watch the ESPYs, if you watch ESPN, if you you know, anything that she has that kind of star quality that um you know many athletes don't have, many, especially women's hockey players. So she doesn't have to take that extra step but still she does and and uh you know we'll move on now and and talk about the top 25 under 25 is still going we're we're starting the top 15 this week um with that and you know leading up to this in the top you know from 16 to to you know all the way down to to the 45 we've had questions about you know why do you have this person here why do you have that person there so we'll we'll just talk a little bit about you know open the floor a little bit and um, you know, we'll start with start with Scott. Um, you know, what do you look at when you when you make these rankings for the top twenty five under twenty five? See, for me, it's always that I go and I'm saying, I'm like, I'm gonna have a combination of what they've done in their career already, mixed with what their tent potential can be, and then I try and rank off of there, like guys that I've watched all year for the past couple of years in the AHL, guys like McCarran and Reichel and learn out and you know mcniven this past year i lean more towards them because i know what they're capable of they are a known quantity to me like i've seen mcniven in the ohl be the best goaltender in the league by far i watched reichel score like a goal per game pace for a while for the rocket i've seen mccarran be an ahl all-star and i know that they can do these things and then I also look at potential, which is why in the past, guys like Martin Revi, I had in my top five one year because I watched what he did with a Slovakia team in the World Juniors and how he was a one-man army for a team that had no business winning a bronze medal that year. And it's like, he can do this. He has the skill and the talent and everything else. So I try and find that nice balance between there. And it's always a little bit difficult, especially when the prospect pool is as deep as it is this year right now. Yeah, and Patrick, we'll we'll go to you. Um, what do you what do you look at when you? And obviously, Scott has the AHL perspective. You have the European perspective. So, I mean, what do you look at when you uh, when you make your rankings? Obviously, those guys are close to my heart, and and uh, the Europeans in general. And and uh, Martin Rewi was one guy that. I liked a lot, but I didn't get to the hype that maybe many of the others of us did. But yeah, I mean, you, you sit there and I think someone said that the average time spent on the voting site this year was 16 minutes. And I think I spent like, yeah, maybe three, four hours over, over time, maybe even more because I was I was saving it for maybe the last day to, to go in. And I had top 20 sorted out pretty much, but but then you have to make certain decisions and and uh, what I've gotten bashed for, and then to, to a degree, it's right to bash me for it. But uh, 
I looked at what we have for for goalie prospects and and what kind of goalie we had in the, in the main team, and and I, I was like, sorry guys, you know, you're not going to be in the Montreal team anytime soon, and, and maybe never. We we might trade you for future picks, and we got you you good guys, but yeah. So so I put the goalkeepers at the bottom, or, or not at the bottom, but but close to the bottom, and uh, at least I put them in the right order. Uh, but I think yeah, you you, you look at it from from you know experience upside potential and and maybe also what what negativity and and what role they can play on a team that that we have you know and and um i i like i have to say this i really really like the the open-ended question because if we all were to rank them exactly the same way it wouldn't be any discrepancies in the rankings i think or very few discrepancies but but i really like the open-ended question because we need to not everyone can rank them the same way because then it's not a ranking because then it's like become kind of a group mind session but you know exactly and i think that you know all three of us and we have a rule at, at eyes on the prize um instituted by um, by Justin and by by Mark before him, is that we don't talk about any rankings until everyone submits their rankings. We don't want any people to influence each other. We don't want anything to to kind of go into um, you know groupthink and and things like that. We want it to be very uh, individual when it comes to our even our in house rankings. And I think I can speak for all of us. That as soon as we submitted our rankings, we saw four, four or five rankings that were like, "Oh, I really shouldn't have done that." Um, so, you know, that's that's part of the fun. It's also the fact that we all go back as as soon as the rankings become official in our in our chat, we all go in there to check the rankings ourselves. You know, it's the first thing you do when you see it's open. Yeah, ex- exactly. We we always want to see where we compare, and and when you look into guys, and it's like, for me, probably the the first one that I really. Uh, regretted was was Renat Valiev, um, and for me, what I did when I ranked my my players and um, to kind of talk about what I did is, is I kind of looked at everything as well. You know, you try and you try and balance it as best you can, but you're going to have your your biases and and things like that. And you know, I, I had guys in my 30s, and I was like, ooh, I I really like these guys, but I can't put them any higher than I I do. And um, for me, the the first ranking I saw that I really was like, I really ranked this guy too low was, was Renat Valiev because I kind of lumped him in with, you know, career minor leaguers when really, and and I feel this way even before I did my ranking is that I feel he can be an NHL player. I I like his potential. And that's one guy I probably would have had a a few spots higher um, than I did. And, um, you know, I, I put him in with, I think, 31 um, in a group with, with Reichel and, and things like that. You know, if I would redo it today, I would probably put him a little bit higher up with guys like um, David Sklenichka and Michal Moravchik, um, who I had, you know, at the, t- at the bottom end of the 24-25 the range, uh, and uh, Alexander Romanov, who I had, I think, 26, um, but more in that range than the 31. And it doesn't make that much of a difference, but... You know, when you're talking about five spots, it's still five spots. And yeah, and I think I think it was mentioned uh, by Nathan in in one of the comments as well. If we if we took away my ranking for I forgot who was the last goalkeeper we had up. Of his primo, yeah, pr- primo, yeah. If we took away my ranking there, uh, it would raise him one spot on the ranking. So having one off is not the end of the world, even if it's very easy to to. to 
pinpoint that in the little box that this guy is off by a mile. Yeah, because we, you know we don't we don't put out the the actual average um, percentage points in in at least not yet. I think I think at the end um, when we recap the the top twenty five and we compare their votes with the um, with the community votes, uh, I think that's where we kind of get into the averages. But yeah, I mean when you're talking about one vote in you know a span, every player has outliers, top and bottom. You know, so it's 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 always interesting to see what happens and and one ranking does not change anything when you look at these things and um you know there's going to be some where we're right and there's going to be some where we're wrong uh that's just the the nature of um of the beast uh when it comes to ranking prospects uh the only the only good thing is that our job security doesn't depend on these rankings uh like it does for say Trevor Timmins uh as an example yeah and it's also i think it's interesting to see that you know the strength of the uh Eyes on the prize community. They're, they're, obviously, that's four hundred and twenty votes or something like that, and and it comes so close to the average that uh, you know where where the fi- the player is finally ranked. We have us like the staff who does it, but it's not just us that goes into it. With how big the community is, it's like every year it's grown. It used to be a few staff members, then it was the whole staff, and then it's been the whole staff and then a couple of you know key community members now it's the whole staff who can vote key community members and then the community at large to see how their vote is and the turnout which one god bless justin for going through all of that because lord knows i wouldn't it's it's very interesting to see how people rank things and you can see how whether they know it or not, you can see certain biases in the way things are voted or how we perceive prospects, depending on if they had a good year or a bad year. Like Michael McCarron's first year on the top 25 was not good. I remember Matt and myself were like, we didn't rank him in the top 25 because he was bad. And then he, you know, won a Memorial Cup the next year and shot up into like the top 15 again. It's such the way it is. There is no simple way to do it because everyone perceives things differently prospects change from year to year it's the most fun thing i think that we do all year is because it's a chance to it's always something new every year it's never the same as the year before at least not since i've started doing it anyways i remember the the discussion about rewi and lekkonen you know that was one of my first years and and everyone was hyped about rewi scoring 200 million points on the power play and, and nothing else and and you know i try to argue that and and uh, then we see what happened unfortunately for martin I, I really i'm a huge fan of martin and he's a good guy and i wish him nothing but the best but but at that point you you go like yeah it, it changed a year makes such a difference yeah and and the, the 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 fun thing about this is that there's no right or wrong answers now that we don't know the answers for for years down the road that's what makes the debate so much fun that's what makes Everything is that nobody knows. It's not like a trade where you can be like, yeah, this guy's really bad. This guy's really good. Uh, I like it or I don't like it. At this point, it's just like, you know, shrug emoji, you know, like we, we don't really know, uh, you know, and, and that's what makes it fun as well. And um, the debates are going to get just as heated as we get into the top 15. Uh, because when you get into the top 15, that one or two spots makes so much difference. In, in the perspective of, of players. So it's, it's always a lot of fun and it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. And uh, we'll have more uh, on the podcast, obviously on the website when it comes to the top 15. 
uh, this whole process of, of the top 25 under 25, you know, we released five a week um, for, for five weeks. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, a month and a week of, of coverage and debates and uh, takes us right into training camp when we'll, you know, start debating lines, <laughs> combinations, and, you know, what is Claude Julien thinking, which is a, uh, a bit of a refresher for us is that it's not like what is Patrick thinking? What is Jared thinking? What is Scott thinking? It's what is Claude Julien thinking? What is Joel Bouchard thinking? They're the ones that get paid more money than we do. They're the ones that, that should be facing the heat of the community. And, and I say this jokingly. I, I love, I love, you know, having discussions in the comments and, um, our community is very passionate, if nothing else. And, um, you know, when, like Patrick said, when it's done respectfully, I don't mind going back and forth. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun to, to have that interaction. That's something that, that we can have when, uh, you know, we, we, even a few years ago, our, our comment section wasn't as, uh, as back and forth, uh, with that. So, um, that's, uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, we, I'm not sure if we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll play it by ear. You know, it is the summer. Uh, we don't want to talk about nothing, um, for, uh, for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. Uh, we're not Seinfeld. We, we don't, it's not a show about nothing uh, here on Absent Minded, <laughs> but uh, you know, you, you never know uh, what what we're going to get. So, uh, you know, stay tuned. We'll we'll play it by ear. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you uh, on our next episode, whenever that is. Enjoy the summer. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to us on your on your your phone or your in your car. You know, enjoying the nice weather wherever you are, um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Later.